53% of men are viewing every day or every other day. If you interview their girlfriends and you say, how often does your boyfriend view pornography? Guess how many of them say every day or every other day? Guess what percentage that the girlfriends believe? Oh, I bet it's low, near zero. Zero. Welcome to Bullish, where we talk about the journey and process to build ourselves and companies into multi-billion dollar people and brands. Currently, my business and investment funds have done tens of millions in revenue. And this is the documentation of the journey to scale to the billion dollar realm. All while we give back and do good in the world. My name is Bridger Pennington, and welcome to Bullish. All right, people, welcome back to the show. Today we got with us Mr. Matt Davis. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a blast. So Matt, uh, we actually went to high school together. Crazy yeah. enough. I've known Matt since I like, think middle school. I think yeah, we met middle, middle school. school, which is kind of fun. <laughs> so Chinese class and it's, everything yes, in there. exactly. So we've known each other for a long time, but yep. Matt recently has been doing a lot on online talking about men and families about pornography. Yep. And it was funny enough, um, two or three months ago, I've seen your stuff online. I've shared some of it. I think it's actually awesome. Yeah. Um, you talk very you. publicly about like pornography and most there's a, like the, you'll probably share all the statistics, but it's just a crazy sure. amount of people watch, consume and couples. And it actually ruins families. Yeah. And it's funny about two and a half months ago, I felt very prompted. I don't know if you know this, but I felt very prompted to have you on the show. Wow. And I was like, we need to have Matt in. And uh, you live in uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, South Carolina, very close to North Carolina. And you live on how many acres? Six, six acres. Have an awesome farm. We're gonna talk about that in a minute, yeah, but yeah. You're in town this week. I was like, Matt, when are you going to be in town? Let's do it in studio. And you're here. So we're, it's, it's just a pleasure to have you here. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I love it, man. I love talking about this. So so ahead. why, like, just give us the preface. Why talk about, I mean, it's a kind of an ugly topic. I'm sure people listening to this are like, I'm going to turn this off right now. Like, yeah. I don't want to talk about this. And most people don't talk yeah. about pornography, pornography addictions, how it affects families, friends. But why should we talk about it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And don't turn it off if you're listening right yeah. now. Um, pornography is a huge problem. And uh, it's something that, I have struggled with for more than half my life. I've spent years in complete isolation, loneliness, struggling with pornography use. And um, it's uh, it's dangerous and it's it's hard. Like you said, it tears up families. And we can get into kind of the numbers, the statistics, why it's bad, why it's harmful. But um, pornography takes something that's amazing and wonderful, which is sexuality, human sexuality, something that we're designed for, we're built for, and it corrupts it and makes it bad, makes it harmful. And and it, it, it tears down the very thing that you think it should build up, which mm. is relationships and humans. And it breaks that down. Yeah. I, I'm grateful. I grew up in a church and a community that talked about pornography in yeah. an early age as a young man or boy. Yeah. And because uh, I think most of the world doesn't talk about it much. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, it's just porn. Like, like boys masturbate, whatever. Like it's not a big deal. Totally. And I at least was raised in a community at the time was talking about pornography a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I had parents, people around me talking like, like it was like, the black plague, like do not, and it, they started to, and this was as, let's say like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but mm -hmm. I was actually very grateful for that, for people actually like parents and leaders and people around me like talking about it and saying like, you should avoid this. Or at least if you're struggling with it, come talk to somebody. Don't just let this addiction or weed inside of you grow yeah. because it might become something that ruins future relationships that you might have with a, your future wife. It might ruin the way you approach sexuality and, and might yep. twist your brain into weird things. And so I was very grateful for people that listened to stuff like this and then shared it with me as a young man and, um, and helped me kind of through all that. So Matt, give us a little bit of, of background on you. Like, well, and I'm curious why, like what, well, actually I'm curious about this. Yeah. A lot of people can watch pornography, struggle with pornography, whatever, mm -hmm. talk about it, share it, not. You decide to go online. Yeah. So we're talking about it publicly. Yeah. Walk me through that. That's a big jump yeah. to like 
You know, I it's people and not just pornography. Everyone's got issues they're dealing with behind the scenes. Yeah. Rarely though, does someone say, I'm going to talk about it on Instagram. Yeah. And for me, uh, it's funny, just even I post about funds, which is mm-hmm. a pretty easy topic to post about, but it was so hard for me to like start posting yeah. my face. Yeah. It's a huge jump. Mm-hmm. And now not that was just, that was pretty easy stuff to post about. You're posting yeah. about, you know, some pretty rough, rugged stuff. Yeah. Walk me through that process of why you started to post online about this. Yeah. Well, a big part of my my recovery, me like quitting porn, overcoming it, by the way, I'm, I'm, it's it's almost five years that I've been mm. like porn free. And a big part of that was the 12 steps. Mm. And um, my church has an amazing 12 step program, but really they're all the same. They're 12 steps that, that walk you through kind of the, the process and the cycle of like recovery. And the 12th step, the final step is called service. Mm. And um, to paraphrase, it's essentially take what you've learned in, in overcoming this addiction, overcoming this struggle, and share it with the world, share it with other people who need that information. And most people don't don't go on Instagram, don't go online and, and share about it. But um, and it looks different for everyone. But I I would do I, I facilitated groups for a while. I led like meetings. Um, I'd sponsor people. So like I do weekly calls, daily texts with people. Mm. And um, when we moved to South Carolina, it was it was a crazy move because I left a lot of the meetings I had been doing. And I was just in South Carolina. I didn't know anyone there. We had no family there, no friends, no anything. We moved there to start like our hobby farm and kind of just be away from everything. Uh, but I was like disconnected for the first time in like years from from those groups. Mm. And I just kept like, same as you, like I had been just prompted over and over again that I need to be doing something, need to be sharing. And so you and felt a push. You felt I like felt something it pushing you to big do time. it. Big time. And, yeah. and uh, scriptures are big for me. There were some stories in the scriptures of people who like, changed from from like terrible men everyone knows the story of like like saul who became paul Mm -hmm. he was like persecuting and became paul right this amazing like prophet i would read stories like that and just think this this was me like i struggled with pornography and now i don't struggle like i need to help other people Mm -hmm. and um i just felt like i was hiding like my talents hiding my skills hiding my gifts and so i just started an instagram account and started talking and um over time I was reaching like men who were struggling with this and also reaching like their spouses and other mm. people. So my wife got on and we started talking about it, but it, it just came from that that push to help other people uh, who who were in the situation that I used to be in, who were yeah. struggling in isolation and be a voice for them and help them uh, in ways that I needed when I was in that in that struggle. Well, kudos to you for following that push Thanks, and calling. There's a lot of people that feel that calling. I'm sure people listen to this. You yeah. feel that push or calling and it doesn't, you don't act on it. Yeah. And um that's really cool to, to follow that, that calling. And it's, it's scary dude to yeah. put, and oh, I don't yeah. know what it's like for you, but for me, man, just still to this day, I still, I, as much as I post on Instagram and make podcasts and shows, I do it every day. There's still a, bit, a piece of me that like hates being on social media. Like I, I actually thoroughly don't like it. I do it because I feel like yeah. there's someone out there that I can help or influence or talk about and like yeah. be, and maybe help a younger version of me. Yeah. And it really, um, pushes me. Hey, hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Now, as you know, we don't run advertisements on this channel. We just spread this by word of mouth. So if you can, please rate and review the show. If it's benefited your life anyway, please drop that down below. I actually love reading them. I love seeing what people say and share and stuff. So if you guys can, if this show has helped you in any way, shape or form, please rate and review and share this with a friend or two that may benefit their life. We do this just to help more people understand this game that we're playing. Thank you guys so much. And we'll get back to the show. Talk me through, you mentioned some couples, spouses of, of families walk me through well actually first off sorry let's back up a little bit let's talk about statistics um yeah yeah great uh how many like households is it more men than women i know I, yeah. like walk me through some broad general statistics around pornography and how to you know affects households individuals kind of stuff like that yeah it's hard to get like 
true good statistics on this. We, we do know that it, it impacts men far more than women, uh, but, but there are a lot of women who are dealing with this. And my experience is largely with men. And so that's where my focus is. But I, I do know there are a lot of women out there viewing pornography regularly and struggling with that. Um, for me, pornography is harmful for, for three reasons in, in primary. Uh, it's harmful to the actors who are in pornography. Mm. It's harmful to the viewers who view pornography. Uh, and it's harmful to the relationships of those who view pornography. Mm, interesting. And if you dive into the statistics, like I said, a, a lot of men are viewing, um, but a lot of the actors are obviously like women, right? And what's so harmful about pornography is it's an incredibly like abusive, um, a, like there's a lot of sexual and physical violence in mm, pornography. Like in the creation of it, in the production of exactly. pornography. Yeah. And th this is what's crazy. This is a, a stat for you. So in pornography, um, in 30 to 90% of scenes where, where there's like pornographic content, there's sexual or physical violence mm. or aggression. Wow. So that's crazy. But yeah. here's the crazy thing. And this is why pornography is so dangerous. This is a stat that blows my mind. Of those scenes, 95% of the responses from the victim, so the people to whom the violence was being like enacted, mm. they responded either neutrally or positively instead of negatively, right? Like you would think mm. they would they respond like negatively. Their, like sexual violence is happening to them, but they respond positively. And we as viewers, we take that, we see that every day, every other day when we're viewing it. And that starts to get inside of us. And we think that's that's love. That's that's what sexuality should look like. That's what relationships look like. And that's so dangerous for us. Which then it starts impacting you. And then it mm -hmm. starts impacting the relationships around you. That's yeah, so interesting. Absolutely. Why do you think they couple violence with sexual content? Is it just more extreme? Yeah, it I just mean, hits those receptors. If you've if you're numb to just normal pornography, it's got to get yeah. more and more extreme. It becomes then it's got to be child pornography. It's got to be is that kind of do you believe that's the road it leads down? Just a, you have to keep getting that high and that edge, so it keeps having to become more and more extreme. Totally, yeah, yeah. Child pornography, uh, just like crazy forms of pornography. When you're viewing it for a while, like that just becomes normal. And, mm -hmm. and the truth is, what you're looking for when you're viewing pornography uh, is connection. It's um, you're looking for like relief, help. Um, you know, tons of like these things that, that it won't answer. And so you're going to look for more and more and more. And yeah, it goes from from like soft porn to like hardcore porn to like all these crazy things that are out there that just start to feel normal because you're looking for more of that high, more of that edge like you're talking about. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the people that are in the production of porn. Now yeah. talk about how it affects individuals and then also the relationships with individuals. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and I will just say one more thing about the the actors in like the mm -hmm. you, you talked about human trafficking on here and yeah, pornography yeah. is is like an adjacent industry. It's like a, they've got a symbiotic relationship where a lot of the demand of like viewing it like fuels human trafficking, and that's so scary. And like child pornography, like you mentioned, there's no good way to like moderate. I mean, there are solutions, mm -hmm. but they refuse to like the pornography uh, hosting websites and things. They they refuse to moderate that, and that's I've seen so a scary I think I, we have the attorney general in here, Sean Reyes. Yeah. He was talking yeah. to me about they have found victims on like Pornhub yeah. that were yeah. someone who was kidnapped from someplace they were looking for and they see their face pop up on a porn video on mm -hmm. whatever website. And that's how they actually find them and save them. And the viewers don't realize this was a girl that exactly. was kidnapped from her home country across the world and was drugged and whatever. And they're just viewing it. They don't realize the actors are actually very harmed. They were stolen, they were kidnapped and this they were trafficked into, like you said, a symbiotic relationship of this, which is just 
so devastating. There's virtually no way of ensuring that what you're viewing is ethical, that it was like not coerced, mm. and that they gave permission to have that content on there and that they're mm. continually giving permission. Interesting. Um, but to answer your question, so for the viewers. Yeah, so the viewers and then the relationships with the viewers. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, so the viewers, it, it it's going to hurt your mental health. You're not going to have good mental health if you're viewing pornography regularly. Uh, anxiety is going to increase. Um, Depression is going to increase. You're going to have poor body health, like body image. Um, mm. It's going to... Because the contrary, some people push back and you're kind of the steel man in the other position. Some people will say, well, it's healthy to watch pornography. Uh, it's healthy to masturbate, kind of mm -hmm. flushes the fluids mm -hmm. for you. It's totally. People will kind of have this argument a little bit of like, it's actually good for you to whatever, uh, once a day or a couple, whatever the schedule is. Yeah. What would you say to somebody that's pushing back on that? So... Um, I'm talking about pornography like it's a problem, right? Like that's mm. that's why I'm here. I yeah. think it's a problem. But the thing is pornography is not the problem. And this is what people don't understand is that when someone turns to pornography, they are not going there to view pornography. They're going there seeking out what's called a maladaptive coping mechanism. They're looking for a way to cope with life, right? Mm. But it's not a good solution. It's a very bad one because what they're looking for, well, first of all, what they're struggling with is neglect, maybe like abuse, childhood trauma. Maybe they've just got emotions that are difficult. They're stressed, they're lonely, they're bored, mm. they're anxious, they're depressed. Whatever it is, they're going to pornography to solve a problem. But the reason I say it's a maladaptive coping mechanism is that over time, it's actually worse for you. And, and you're mm. worse off because of it because you're, you're getting those hits of dopamine. You're, you're searching for something that's not there and you'll never find it. And so you need to search for more and more and more. Mm. And it doesn't solve these underlying problems that people are, are dealing with. And what you need to do is actually process those emotions and those underlying problems to get out of it. That's why I feel like it's, it's mm. dangerous. Yeah, it's interesting. Because I think some people might say, oh, a little bit here or there won't hurt or whatever. But what you're saying is it be, it hits your dopamine receptors. It yep. twists your brain about how a relationship, how love would work. Yeah. And and then I think this will dovetail into your next section of the people around you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So walk me through that. How does this affect people, you know, relationship that you're in or even siblings, family members, friends? How does this affect people around you? Um, the biggest thing is that, well, one of the biggest things for me, especially in my relationship with my wife, is that there's, there's a, an honesty gap, right? I was mm -hmm. not honest with my wife, even when we were dating, when we were engaged, when we were married about my pornography like mm, viewing. Yeah. And if you look at like studies of casually dating young people, if you survey the men, they'll say 53% will say that they view every day or every other day. So that's another mm. stat that you can keep in mind. Interesting. That's, so again, say it again, 53%. 53% of men are viewing every day or every other day. Wow. Okay. If you interview their girlfriends and you say, how often does your boyfriend view pornography? Guess how many of them say every day or every other day? Guess what percentage that the girlfriends believe? Oh, I bet it's low, near zero. Zero. Oh, it's zero. It's actually zero. Wow. And so there's a gap there. Even if you even if you don't believe that pornography is like unethical, you are not being honest. And and mm. again, these people are they're casually dating, but I don't think that trend is going to decrease as you get into you know more of a committed relationship mm. and into a marriage. In fact, things are going to get harder and heavier, and you're not going to want to share that with your spouse. And so that is a huge problem because vulnerability, that connection that you need with your spouse, is like the most important relationship in your life. And without honesty, that relationship isn't built on trust. Yeah, interesting. So first gap is trust between a spouse or yeah. a girlfriend, boyfriend. Um, what would you say to couples that like, oh, we watch porn together and yeah. it turns us on or helps us out in our sexual relationship? Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? Yeah, if you look at um, the studies, the stats, the information around it, you will have less sex sexual, sa sorry, you will have less sexual satisfaction if one or both of you are viewing pornography. Hmm. You'll have more sexual dysfunction, especially in men, man. That scares me. 
having mm. that kind of sexual dysfunction just from viewing porn. And then you will actually have less sex if there's pornography in the relationship. And wow. so it mm. seems like, yeah, that's going to get you turned on. It's going to help. It's going to get things going. But the truth is it, it doesn't. In, mm. in long-term uh, viewing and, and research, it, it doesn't. Hey, hey, this is Bridger here. Hope you're enjoying the show. I've actually got some cool free gifts that I want to give you guys as followers of the show. Now, as you may know, we've helped over 60,000 people get started in the fund game in the world of investment funds, private equity, hedge funds, venture capital funds. And so what we've done is actually we've put together a free course on funds. It's 100% free and just in full transparency, what you do is you just go on there, you go to fundlaunch.com, you put in your email. Selfishly, I want your email just so I can send more things to you, more podcast episodes, my other stuff. And what you get in return is our full course. I think it's 15 videos on investment funds, how funds are built, how they're put together, how to structure them, how to scale them. Even if you don't wanna build a fund one day, I think it's still really important to learn how funds are built and how they're put together. So that's a full free course you can get at fundlaunch.com. Wow, just deteriorates relationship. That's so Absolutely. interesting. Um, I love that. Yeah. I um, it's funny. I, I have a family friend. He's telling me a story of you know he has a a good friend of his who's just this womanizer. He slept with women and yeah. all his whole life been on porn and everything. And he's to the point where he cannot. Sorry, this is graphic for people listening, but can't ejaculate. Okay. Like yeah. without porn. Yeah. Like he will be having, so he'll be having sex yeah. with a beautiful woman or whatever he's doing. And he can literally to the point, and he, he was telling this friend of kind of fan of friend runners. He's like, it's, it's actually ruined my life. So wow. I cannot enjoy just sex anymore. Yeah. Even when he does whatever he's wild sex he's doing, he's like, I can't even enjoy it be, unless I have porn. So he has to go to the bathroom or in between or like, you know, take a break, whatever. He's like, I can't even can't even ejaculate or go or have an orgasm without pornography it's it's actually ruined his relationship and his whole sexual life that he's spent years building and this whole kind of mantra yeah. that he's built yeah he's like it's actually totally ruined his life it's really interesting that's crazy it's, it's not a unique story that's yeah. common super common um do we do we hash that anything else you want to share on that no i think that's good so let's talk about now obviously you're, you've worked with a lot of people which is really cool so walk yeah, me thanks. through some of the people you've maybe worked with don't share names but yeah <laughs> well, i mean unless they really want to but Walk me through people you've worked with, how that's affected their relationship, what lives you've seen change. Has uh, anyone come to mind? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen it across the spectrum. Pornography is not just for young people. It's not for old people. I mean, everyone across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. I worked with truckers who are driving across the country and just struggling with it day to day. I worked with people um, who are divorced in their like 60s and 70s. I worked with people in their 20s. worked with people who are like young teenagers mm -hmm. and are just struggling with this. So yeah. it's across the spectrum. Um, one that, that sticks out to me that I that I think of from recently or from the last few years is a man who struggled with pornography from the time he was 11 or 12, which is similar to my story. Um, he struggled with pornography from the time he was 11 or 12, got married, struggled with it his whole marriage. And his wife knew kind of a little bit about his struggle, but he just was struggling with it mm -hmm. and um, never could like get a grasp on it. And he ended up like committing like I'm about to say adultery. <laughs> he say he ended up having an affair um, mm. with a woman uh, on a business trip, and he just like he couldn't figure out like how to stop. He like had tried recovery programs, mm. tried all sorts of things, yeah. and this is crazy because for everyone it's different. The solution is different, um, but what helped him like break free was coming to twelve step meetings, and he his first twelve step meeting I was there for it, and he was like, yeah, I've worked on this for a while, never found any success. A year later, he was leading that 12-step meeting hmm. and he had like actual sobriety under his belt. His relationship with his wife was improving. Uh, his relationship with his kids were improving. And uh, he found like that help from like a 12-step meeting. He had gone to therapy, hmm. life coaching, all sorts of things. But like a 12-step meeting, the community that he found there 
was what like helped him. Really cool. Is the 12 step, is that through the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints? Uh, there is. is through? They do. They have a, a big program where you can go into pretty much any city you're in, you can find a meeting and mm. uh, and go. But um, it, it's, it actually comes from Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. which was uh, created in like, I want to say like the 60s or 70s by, by a couple Christian dudes. Um, sorry, my phone's blowing up right now. So Alcoholics Anonymous was started in like the 60s or 70s. And um, these guys who started it, they they just try to find principles that they had seen in people like recovering. Mm. And so now there's there's dozens of programs. There's Sexaholics Anonymous, Sexaholics Anonymous Lifeline. Um, pretty much any like addiction, any struggle that you have, you can find a 12-step program for that. Gotcha. Okay. So that's okay. So it's across the country. You can look it up, just 12 steps and yep. pornography specifically, and you can yep. go join a group. Yep. Um, you know, the question comes to mind, and I have a bunch of good this is so great, by the way, Matt. I love Thanks. this. Um if you're a parent mm-hmm. listening to this, you've yeah. got kids. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to a parent who has a young boy or girl? Mm-hmm. Um, w- what age should you start talking to them about this? Yeah. Uh, how do you could help your child have you know proper controls or things in their life? Understand the the harms of pornography. What would be your advice to a parent sitting here that has a handful of kids trying to trying to figure this out in a crazy world, 2023, 2024, yeah. social media, phones, like. What's your advice to someone that's that's a parent? Yeah, well, the first thing I'll say is that this used to scare me to death. Like I said, I have I have two boys. I haven't said that. Well, I have two boys, and they're uh, they're young. They're four and two, and this used to scare me to death, but mm. it doesn't anymore. And and I'll tell you why. Um, but first, let's back up a little bit. If you have a business, let's say you sell shoes. I know you love shoes. You got shoes on the wall over mm-hmm. here, um, and you want people to be like lifelong customers to your like shoe business. Like, when do you want them to start buying? You want them to start buying when they're 30, 50? 12 like when do you want them to start buying right yeah as young as possible as young as possible and um and like other industries are not different from that even like illegal industries or or things that sell cigarettes they had a huge problem with this in the 80s or 90s where their advertising was targeting young people Mm -hmm. and they had like tons of like liabilities around that um because you get them hooked and they're lifelong customers the lifetime value of your customer is amazing as a business exactly pornography is no different okay but the crazy thing is that so they want to hook you early but the crazy thing is that if you want to go buy cigarettes and you're 13 today and you walk into like a 7-eleven to buy cigarettes um what are they going to ask for id or something like that yeah right and if you don't have id they're not going to let you buy but pornography even like so gambling uh alcohol even like if you want to buy like a pornographic magazine or something like a pornographic video you got to show id right but if you're going onto a a porn website what Mm -hmm. do you have to show like nothing you don't have to show anything if i was a 13 year old and this was my phone in five swipes, I could be on like a porn website. Wow. Zero ID. And like Utah and other states are doing things to like try to like negate that, try to yeah. make it so they can't access it. It's just so easy, just so accessible. Exactly. Yeah. So the first thing that I would say to parents is that you have to assume that your children either have or will see pornography very early. And very, like, how's very early? Like six. Six like years old. The first wow. time I saw pornography, I was six years old. Wow. And um, I was viewing pornography regularly by the time I was like 12. Hmm. Yeah. And, and that's like, not unique and that's also not the youngest that i've heard Mm. and then the second thing that i'll say to parents one of the biggest things that you can do is something that you said at the beginning which is that your leaders and your parents talk to you about pornography a lot and said come talk to us Mm, and so what you want to do is have this conversation ongoing from an early age and and you want to say exactly what you said which is that if this is something that you're struggling with if you see this whatever it is come talk to us Mm. don't don't say you know, if you accidentally see this and like you run away really fast, come tell me. Or like if, if you're not like you want to like let them know that even if they they seek after it, even if they're like 
curious about it, they can mm -hmm. come talk to you. And you want to have that conversation ongoing and regular and frequent. You don't want to make it something that is an, a formal conversation where you sit down and you say, like, have you seen pornography? You want to make it like something that they feel comfortable talking about a lot. Mm, so you so open communication to your kids. Yep. You want them to feel comfortable coming to you. They're not going to get in trouble or have this whole, they're going to get whipped for watching yep. pornography. Yep. So open dialogue with your child. Yep. Talking about them early, mm -hmm. making sure they understand that it's, you know, at least what it like what it kind of is first yeah. off i think for a six or seven or eight year old like this is what might pop up on your screen you might yep. see i think i actually remember my mom telling me like you know sometimes you're on the internet there's sometimes naked people pop up it's yeah. kind of that's the word she used i think she's like naked people will yeah. pop up it's age appropriate and like if that happens click out of it like don't look if you can mm -hmm. that's what she told me and she said if you and if then come tell me about it as well and i won't be mad at you i just want to know what's happening just because our computers and stuff i just want to make sure we're yeah. we're good and safe and and that was the vacuum she used with me. And I actually remember that. Yeah. And I had multiple times where something popped up. I was like, oh man, mom, there's a pop-up on the screen. And she was like, yeah. oh crap, you know, and she'd go fix something. So the next step of that is, let's say your kid comes comes and talks to you. Let's say you got a 12-year-old son. Hey, Matt, uh, dad, mom, you know, I've been watching pornography. I've seen pornography. Maybe I even like it. I've been looking at it a lot or, you know, what's... We have the 12 steps you can send them to. As a parent though, what's kind of that next conversation that happens? Yeah, that's a great question. And I actually wouldn't send them to the 12 steps. Um, mm. You, A lot of programs don't let you come until you're like 18 or older. Oh, okay, so that's more of an, uh, um, yeah. And yeah, that that is a, th this is an area that needs like disruption. They need more resources for kids uh, around pornography. Um, but if, if my kid came to me and said that, what you said earlier is actually really interesting. You said that like stuck with me, like what your mom said, like stuck with you, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason that's so significant is because as kids, like this is something that we're really curious about, something that is like ingrained in us. Like I said, we're sexual beings. And when you're young and you see it, you know, whether it's on purpose or accident, you want the parent to create a setting where that child doesn't feel shame. And, and what shame is, so there's guilt and then there's shame. And mm -hmm. it's been said that guilt is to the body Sorry, guilt is to like your spirit or like your conscience as pain is to your body. So it, it tells you okay. when you've done something that you know you shouldn't do, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas shame is when you say, I am bad. And like, because of like, I saw that, like I'm bad, I'm broken, I have like problems. More towards your identity. Yeah, it's like, exactly, it's attacking mm. your identity. So you don't want your child to feel shame and you wanna help them, what you wanna do is help them deal with and process it. If you saw pornography today, you're like, in your late 20s, you would be able to understand it like with your brain, right? You yeah. could put it in context and say, this is pornography, this is fake. But if a six-year-old or a 10-year-old sees that, they can't put it into context and their brain can't process it. And so as the parent, your job is to help them process it, mm -hmm. help them understand maybe like what sexuality is, what, why they're seeing that. And then as a parent, help them work through what they feel about that. What does that make you feel? How did you feel about that? What, what things are going on and follow up with them the next day, a week later, you know, how are you feeling about that? Because a lot of times these become traumatic experiences that, that stick with us, especially if the parents respond by saying, mm. never see that again, never look, don't, don't, let's not talk about it. Don't tell anyone. But if they're like, wow, like, thank you for telling me, like this happens to everyone. Like, don't worry about it. And, and, and like, what did that make you feel like you're processing it so they can let go of that and move on. So mm. that's what I would do as a parent. As you do as a parent. Yeah. That's actually really, that's really spot on. Thank you.